Welcome to the Unbecoming Podcast, where you can join me, Stephanie Baranowski, in an authentic, personal perspective of my expat journey and my many travel adventures. Grab a beverage of your choice, set yourself up in a cozy environment, and be prepared to be inspired. Each episode, I open up my personal narrative of what it's like to unbecome everything you once were in order to become everything you were meant to be. Let's dive in, head first, eyes closed, and a strong cup of faith. May 17th, 2023. Poland Adventures. I was going to Warsaw, Poland. Now, this trip has been on my list since I was a little girl. And growing up in a family that very much supported and embraced the Polish culture, that included food and language and traditions and parties. So I grew up as a young girl going to, when we had the Polish Christmas parties every single year, that was probably my most memorable experiences as a kid. And I just thought it was normal, the Polish language being spoken within my family. My grandparents spoke Polish. Usually it was when they were arguing. I never learned the language. I know words in Polish, but I never actually full-on learned the language. Although it had piqued my curiosity to learn at some point in time. And I just never did, especially, you know, moving through school, you have your own stresses. And then once you get into your early 20s, your priorities shift. And then moving into my late 20s, early 30s, I had a shift as well. And it wasn't only until now when I really started to think about really traveling the world and fulfilling that dream of mine and and then traveling to Poland. And, and then I thought about the concept of, well, I have Polish roots. I mean, I was able to get my ancestry visa here in the UK, but I also have the opportunity to get my Polish passport, which means I would have full-on access to Europe with a Europe passport. And it was almost part of my identity searching for that last piece of understanding and, and developing my full identity to get my Polish passport. But also a part of me was like, I can't get something when I've never been to the place before. So going on this trip to Poland was really important to me. It was really important to understand my family roots. It was really important to understand where the culture I grew up in came from. I'd always heard about Poland and adopted the, the food and the culture and, and everything that comes along with it. And then, you know, deep down into my family, we associate ourselves with being British and Polish. And I definitely look more Polish as well. I, even my own family members have said that I look exotic, that I don't look full-on British. And my whole life growing up in Canada, I've had people ask me, where are you from? <laughs> and I always thought that was a weird concept because I'm like, I'm from Canada. <laughs> I was born in Canada. I grew up in Canada. But what they were really thinking was, you, you look exotic, you look different, where, you know, where is your heritage from, where, where are you from? 
And so I definitely look more Polish for sure. I have the Polish features, the uh, Eastern European features. I even one time had one of my students say, Miss B, where are you from? Mm, I said, Canada. And they're like, oh, we would have guessed Eastern Europe. And then I said to them, well, I'm not, you're not wrong <laughs> because my family is from there for sure. So that would make sense. I had a choice of either going to Krakow or to Warsaw. And as I did my research, um, Warsaw pulled on my strings a little bit more. There was a lot more I could see and I wanted to do in Warsaw. And one of the biggest things that I wanted to do that I that I'd seen there was I, I wanted to really understand and dive into the Jewish culture there and understanding the Jewish roots as my family last name is Polish Jewish. And I'd been doing a lot more research on my family and the Jewish roots. And so this was really important for me to really, truly understand, okay, what has been such a big secret that nobody's really talked about in my family? And I don't even know if my family fully understands or knows because my grandfather on a very deep level was very secretive about a lot of things. And we could only speculate some things. You never always full on told us everything. You can see in his eye when he was talking about things, there was something he was always holding back on. So he was never fully telling everything in the story. So going to Warsaw was going to be an adventure for me to dive into those little pieces of the story that my grandfather never said. I did try reaching out to family that lived there, but... I'm not even sure if I have the right information that was given to me in order to contact them. But I did try, and that's all I can do is try. And, you know, over the years, I think we we lost contact with the family that was over there because the the family members that stayed in contact with them have now passed. And so, you know, that's what happens over time is, you know, if you don't have those key people in the family to keep everybody together, eventually you lose touch. And unfortunately, it would have been really cool to be able to connect with family in in Poland and, and really understand and maybe see some pictures and, and really dive a little bit deeper into family history that way by being really personable. But didn't have the opportunity and that's okay and that's just God saying it wasn't meant to be. I do remember and I think about when I had a family member from Poland come to Winnipeg. I was really young, like I was in my early 20s and at that time I didn't really think about the concept of identity and how important it is to have an identity and to really understand your family history. And so when I took my I guess she would be my distant cousin. When I took her out for lunch, my auntie gave me some money and said, here, take her to the museum, take her out for lunch afterwards. And so I took her for lunch, and there was a little bit of a language barrier. She was trying to decipher my English. I was trying to decipher her broken English. Did not speak Polish. But we tried to make, we made it work. And it's so it was so hard to find a deeper, meaningful conversation with somebody when there's a broken language barrier. But I also was talking about things that are very surface-like. 
Because at the time, I wasn't prepared to dive a little bit deeper into what, I, what I'm prepared to do now. So I look back, there's a part of me that's like, I wish I would have had that conversation. But then another part of me is like, it wasn't meant to be. God had set you on the path to meet the person, but you weren't meant to have that in-depth conversation. You were meant to dive deep on this on your own. Most of my travels in Europe, I had taken the train everywhere. The Eurostar is so accessible, so easy to get to. I couldn't take the Eurostar to Poland, though. It just wasn't going to work. It's too far. It'd take too much time. I'd have to book too much time off work. So I booked a plane ticket. Well, this is exciting. My first plane trip somewhere other than back and forth to Canada. So I get up nice and early, make my way to the airport, and I get on the plane. It's only a two-hour plane ride from London to Poland. It's only two hours. I've done a plane ride many, many times over. Love plane rides. I love the travel experience. I've always said if I could ever have a job where I just travel, I would. that would be my dream job. I would love to have a job where I could travel to all these really amazing places for work. And I just love the experience of being on a plane and traveling. I don't know what it is. Some people really hate it. Some people, you know, don't like the squished in seats and the bad airport food and, you know, the experience of waiting. I love that entire experience. I really, truly do. I get to the airport. It's so early. There's so many people because... I'm at the Heathrow Airport in London, which is one of the major airports. And I'm looking around, so many people, but I do Starbucks. So I grab myself Starbucks. The sun is up, which is not usual here in London, but the sun is up. Sun is coming up. This bright light shines through the window. I open up my laptop, I start writing, okay, I need to record this journey. I need to record this moment about how I'm feeling in this moment. What's led me up to this point? Let's get it in my book. So I start writing. I'm sitting and I'm watching at, you know, when my plane is going to board. And I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm reflecting. And I think to myself, this is the coolest lifestyle I'm living right now. I get to live this dream and I'm living it fully by myself and that's okay. And there's not an ounce of me that feels loneliness or fear. There's, I don't have any fear in my body right now and I have no loneliness. Like I, I don't, I don't wish that somebody was beside me as I go along this journey And if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have thought to myself, yeah, it would have been cool to have somebody with me. You would ask me five years ago, I would have said, yeah, it would probably have been cool to have somebody next to me. You would have asked me 10 years ago, I might have said, it would be cool if I could meet up with people somewhere where I'm traveling to. But here in this very moment, as I'm sitting in this this airport, I have my laptop with me and I feel content and comfortable 
with exactly where I am in my own company and moving along this journey. There's no fear about what's on the other side. There's no fear about the fact that I don't know the language. Because I know in, deep in my soul, I know I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, they speak English there. Most places speak English. There's very few countries that don't speak English, especially in Europe. Oh, there I look. Up on the sign, it's time to board. Put my laptop away. And I start walking through the airport. And I notice that I feel like I'm, I'm at work in a way. Hmm. Not at Selfridges, but it's sister store Harrods. And Harrods is, there's a big sign for Harrods right above. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe it's a mini Harrods. It really is a mini Harrods in Heathrow Airport in Terminal 5. I'm walking along, and, and as I'm walking along towards where my gate is, I see Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier, Tiffany's, Chanel, and the list goes on, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I feel so bougie in that moment. And I feel like, how cool is this? I really am living this really cool lifestyle. Like, I'm living this, not that I, I own any of those things. I mean, I own a pair of Prada sunglasses and some Tiffany's jewelry. I mean, I'm not overly materialistic. Um, but I'm walking along this uh, this terminal or this pathway towards my gate and I see all these stores and I'm and I'm around that are around me and it's almost validating this fact of this travel experience is exactly the journey that I'm on it's giving me these good feelings these good vibes you would think that they'd give me these bad capitalist vibes but <laughs> they didn't it made me feel like I was on this luxurious adventure that I I was living the dream life that most people um, search to attain. You know, um, you know, most people work really hard and save up their money so they can buy that, you know, expensive handbag. A lot of girls, right? Or maybe the guy buys that expensive car to justify, you know, how hard they've worked and then to justify, you know, their their lifestyle and 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 who they are on the inside. Well, I was walking down this pathway towards my gate to board my plane, and I'm seeing all these stores that are around me, and I'm, I'm feeling very bougie on the inside. And I'm feeling like this inner validation that I am living, I, I'm living this really cool life. Like, and it only really hit me until now. And I think about it, and I, I'm like the 1%. I'm living the 1% dream right now because most people my age are married, have kids, living the nine to five dream life, or maybe they're still searching for a partner, but they're still tackled down on their job. Or maybe their, their only travel experience is traveling once a year during their holiday time. But I get to live this experience of traveling whenever I want to. And if I want to book a plane, I just book a plane and I just hop on it and I go. And it's validating. 
validating being on this journey of having the freedom of just booking a plane ticket and going and going to explore. And I'm living the one, I say the 1% because I'm the 1% that is actually following what lights my soul up. We are taught in society that we have to live a very specific lifestyle. We have to hit these milestones in life. You know, you have to get your university degree and you have to find a partner and you get engaged and you get married and you get a house and you get a puppy. Then you have kids and you get a, you know, increase in your job, you know, you get a promotion or something. All the while, every year, you're only, you're going on these, you know, one to two week all-inclusive vacations just for vacation time. But I'm living the 1% dream that is completely out of the ordinary. Uh, If you look at my lifestyle, there's nothing ordinary about anything I have done. And I I always say to myself and I I say to others, I'm definitely the black sheep in my family. Like I definitely did not, I do not fit the mold of what my family um, I think set out for me or thought I was going to be doing. And uh, my cousin told me this story, and I, I actually didn't know this story um, until she told me recently over the last year. Um, so I, when I was 18, I had just finished high school, and I have I had a trust fund for my education. And this was specifically just for education. My Family had set this up for me. They wanted me, this is part of my value system in my family, is they really wanted us to all have a very good education. That's what they came to Canada for. They wanted us to live a good life, and they wanted us to have opportunities. So all my cousins before me followed suit according to, you know, the plan. And then there's me, 18 years old, I sit down, I have this conversation with my auntie. Okay, I'm going to sign up for these courses for university. This is the direction I'm going to take. And then two months in, I drop out of every single course. And I didn't tell anybody and nobody really knew. And the only reason why my auntie figured it out is because she was a professor at the university and she was really looking in and watching me. So she figured it out. The whole family was in upheaval. What? Stephanie did what? And this was, I was the talk of the family for years after this. I can't believe Stephanie did this. It was legit. Literally, I was the talk of the family for years about this. And even to this day, I'm, I'm sure I'm the topic of conversation around this concept. But I wasn't ready. And I was never that child that ever really followed, you know, the crowd or the plan. And if you ask my dad, my dad would say, oh, yeah, you can't tell Stephanie what to do because she's just going to do what she wants anyways. That's a quote that has stuck with me because it's so very true. If my dad could sum me up in one sentence, that would be it. I am the black sheep of the family. I've never followed what society has outlined for me. And I've never, I've never followed, you know, the plan necessarily. I've always followed what my heart wanted. And whatever was lighting me up inside, whatever my heart was guiding me towards, that's where I was going. So I'm here, I'm 37 years old now, 
And I'm walking down towards my gate to board my plane. I'm surrounded by all these bougie stores and I'm all of a sudden validated on the inside that I'm living the 1% life and how cool is it that I have completely followed my heart along this journey and I don't regret a single ounce of anything that I have done in my life or any change in what I've done or any course I've taken or any travel experience I've done or any relationship I've gotten myself into because all of those experiences have brought me right to this point of truly understanding that I've been truly living in my soul this whole time. And anytime I had a pushback, I pushed back in my relationships. It was because I was truly following what was in my soul. And I, I've always been that person. And I, I was always that child that, you know, if something didn't feel right, I wasn't going to do it. I remember, and I don't know if my mom remembers this, but I, this is an internal childhood memory um, that my parents I don't really re- reiterate to me, but I do remember it is um, I used to wear a lot of dresses when I was younger and I was obsessed when I was a kid of wearing dresses. And you wouldn't think that now because my legs don't see the light of day. I'm always wearing leggings all the time. But I wore dresses and my mom really wanted to put me into a set of jeans because really, like I was an 80s child. I, I, I was born in the 80s, right? The 80s and 90s jeans jeans were cool back in the day and my mom wanted to put me in jeans and I took a fit. I refused. I would not put those jeans on. I wanted to wear dresses and I was really dead set on wearing my dress and my mom must have argued with me for a good hour before I put those jeans on. Another scenario when I was four or five years old, my mom tells me this one actually. Um, She tells me about the time that I dropped out of dance because I didn't want to spit out my gum. (laughs) Truly to this day, I think it was my grandmother's fault for giving me gum right before I was going to dance. But um, I had gum in my mouth and my dance teacher said, you can't have gum in the dance class. We can't, we don't have gum in the dance class, so we need to spit that out. And again, I refused to spit the gum out. I sat there and I refused with tears in my eyes. I was not doing it. I was going to stay grounded in exactly what I wanted in that moment. And nobody was going to convince me. So I'm walking towards the gate and I am validated by every decision I have made in my life up to this point this is my true identity. All the, all the stubbornness in my life, that's my identity. And, it, and it's that stubbornness and that perseverance and that staying true with myself that has brought me to this point of living in my truth and being and living the 1% lifestyle. So I get on this plane, two hours to Poland. I get off the plane And the sound of the Polish language was like music to my ears. It felt like I was coming home. I don't know how else to explain it, but I really truly felt like I was coming home. And maybe because the sound of the, the Polish language is a familiar sound that I grew up with. And so it was comforting 
to hear the sound of the language being spoken around me and to read the signs. And I could, it was interesting because I know English, I know French, I can translate a little bit of Spanish, and I understand how the Polish language is written and the grammar of it. Can I speak it? No, but I understand how the grammar works in it. And I'm looking around at all these signs and I'm starting to decipher that I can actually read some of these signs. And it felt like I was really coming home into myself. I felt very comfortable. I'm on public transportation and people are so nice around me. And then they genuinely nice. Like you could feel the energy of genuineness in, in the people in, in Warsaw. People weren't nice just because they had to be. People were nice because they wanted to be. I didn't even have to ask anybody. I think people just intuitively tuned into my energy and noticed that I was struggling to find a place or that I was struggling with trying to decipher, you know, how do I pay the bus fare, the public transportation fare? And people were just very open to wanting to help. I take the bus into Old Town Square only to reveal these really beautiful buildings, the architecture, the colors, the cobblestone. It was like walking through a dream and the greenery everywhere. I, you know, I thought Canada was a green country and I thought the city of Vancouver was, has always been my favorite city because of how green it is and the lifestyle. And I was just completely blown away by Warsaw and how green it was. It, there's, there was more greenery than I had ever seen in one place in a city. And I'm walking, and this is a, a touristy city, a big city, or big enough. And I'm smelling the fresh air as if I'm in the mountains. Like I'm, I'm smelling and tasting. And in my brain, my brain is connecting that, that refreshing smell to when I was in the mountains and I'm picturing for some reason I'm in Warsaw, but I'm picturing myself in the freshness of the mountains. That's how fresh and how green it is there. I walk around and of course I have my camera in hand and I'm taking photos everywhere I go to mark this experience. I'm taking photos of the building. I'm taking photos of the signs. I'm but I'm really strategic with my photo taking because I know that eventually I want to blow these pictures up for memories. And then I make my way to the Polish Museum, the Polish Jewish Museum, Poland is what it's called. And I knew going to this museum that this museum was going to trigger some sort of emotional connection in me as I dived a little bit deeper into understanding my Jewish roots. I didn't know what to expect when I but when I walked through this museum, <clears throat> they strategically started it off with the beginning, the very beginning when Jewish people first immigrated to Poland. And I actually didn't know this story. I didn't know this story in history. So it was very enlightening to read and to absorb this information. And, and Jews didn't end up there. They first ended up in Poland in the 1000s or the 1100 era and they immigrated and and over time um 
just before the world wars, Poland had the most Jewish people in the world other than Israel. There was such a prominent existence of Jewish people and so many different Jewish communities in Warsaw and in Poland in general and the entire country. And I'm reading about this and I'm like, hmm, I'm really curious because I grew up being told that our last name, Baranowski, comes from the town of Barano or Baranoff, if you uh, express it in Polish. And so I'm wondering, I'm like, I wonder, is this a Jewish community? So I'm looking at the map in front of me of um, about the 1500s or 1600s of all the Jewish communities around Poland and all the names of the Jewish communities. And I zero in and I find the community of Baranov, which validated everything that I was feeling and researching and thinking in the moment that my family has Jewish roots. How cool is this that I actually discovered this? And nobody in my family has actually wanted to discover this. I don't even think they even thought about the concept because... We grew up um, mostly Roman Catholic because when my grandparents got married, my grandmother was Roman Catholic, and so they adopted her religion. And then, you know, my dad and my auntie and my uncle were sent to, you know, Catholic schools, and my cousins were sent to Catholic school. I, again, I was the black sheep, and I went to a French school. (laughs) Um, But I'm walking through this museum, and I'm learning more and more about the history of the Jewish people in Poland and the politics of it and the grassroots of anti-Semitism, which, you know, now in my heart to learning about this, I I have a deep-rooted need to um, really move forward with working towards change around that concept and bringing awareness to how dangerous anti-Semitism is in the history of it. And then we get along to evidently World War II. And this really hit home because my grandfather lived through that war in Poland, served in the Polish army, and I had grown up hearing stories about it my whole life, family dinners. And I think there was a little bit of a trauma response in my brain because I realized I had pushed some of that concept or some of those historical facts into the back of my brain. Like I didn't want to acknowledge it. And then as I'm reading this and as I'm opening my eyes to what exactly I was reading and things like, you know, how they brought the Jews to the, the camps and, you know, they brought them on train. When they got off the train, they told them to put their suitcases off to the side. They separated the kids from the parents, the women from the men. They told them to take their clothing off and go into these showers, which ended up not being showers in the end. We, we know that. 
and I'm reading this and I'm absorbing this and I'm absorbing all this information on an in-depth course. And I had been to the Anne Frank Museum in Amsterdam, but that was a personal narrative on her part and what she experienced in Amsterdam. But this was really deep rooted in exactly what was happening and and the concept of concentration camps was really close to home and it made me more curious walking out of that museum made me more curious to want to know more and I went home jumped on the plane I went home and my entire flight back I just sat in reflection sat in reflection about how I really want to dive deeper into this identity, this part of my identity, and I want to dive deeper into understanding and um, and and really growing through these historical experiences and really understanding on a deeper level the trauma that was in my family. And so I went home, and the next day I worked. But after work, I went to the library and I actually bought a book on Jewish history and its full history in Europe. And so this whole experience and trip has made me want to dive further into understanding my family history, but also understanding my identity on a deeper level and my value system on a deeper level and the change that I want to work towards creating in the world and what is important to me and what's going to be important to my future family, the value system that I want to uphold in my future family. Living this 1% lifestyle is is glamorous. And then on another level, it's not so glamorous. The challenges that I have to meet and greet, there's some icky parts that I have to get through. And on the surface and social media, it looks like it's so glamorous and it feels glamorous going through it. And then you get to the icky parts. But when you get through those icky parts and you come out on the other side, it becomes glamorous again. So moving through the next week, I'm going to ask you, how do you identify yourself? Can you write a list of, of all the things that you identify yourself to? What are some key terms or words or concepts? What's important to you? As we move through the next week, I'm excited to share more stories with you coming up next Friday. But... In the meantime, have an amazing week ahead. Always much, much gratitude to have you tuning in every week and listening in and listening to my stories. And uh, of course, you're always welcome to send me a message. Just want to chat or you have questions or anything like that. Um, always open. But in the meantime, enjoy the week ahead. Enjoy your reflection time on the identity piece. And, uh, and I'll hear from you next Friday. Take care.